can sue from the veteran soul from stories to stir the pride and honor and the courage of our veterans. So I want to thank you. Uh, wiggle your toes. This one's called the warrior spirit. My childhood years of various sports, including chasing a homemade wooden puck on roller skates up and down Central Street in South Philadelphia, had given me strong legs and a healthy body that were prepared to endure and respond quickly. When I was wounded seriously in action, I didn't accept my condition of paralysis as permanent, although it did make life more complicated. But I wondered how to explain this condition to people back home especially mom and dad, who only knew me as a happy-go-lucky, smiling kid who was nonstop on my pins. What about telling Grace, brother John, and his wife Jean, and a lot of friends and relatives back in the States? And was there any solution to the problem of depending on others to do everything? Thoughts like these were another set of challenges to add to my new physical weaknesses. Charlie was one of the first to ease the situation. He had a friendly smile on his face all day long and frequently came across the aisle to talk to me. Charlie was the source of most information and always knew what was going on in the ward. Charlie was the first who told me about the patient who was five or six beds from me. By twisting and turning my head and trunk, I could see the mass of bandages that Charlie said was Captain M McCarthy. They kept McCarthy close to the nurse's station where he could get special attention when it was needed. Charlie explained that the captain was a tank commander who had survived a fire explosion when his tank was hit by the enemy. The captain climbed out of the tank with two broken legs and literally ran on fire 30 to 50 yards from the burning vehicle. His body and head were severely burned. Something about that still white bandage form made me count my blessings despite my lifeless legs. Charlie seemed to know everything about everyone in the ward. But even Charlie was surprised to see an unfamiliar, pretty, and smiling young nurse enter the ward early one morning. The lady smiled as she proceeded along the center aisles, unruffled by the patient's whistles and greetings. I pushed myself up on my elbows as high as I could and stretched my neck to see what the commotion was all about. By the time I could see the nurse, she had steered right toward my bed. She carried what looked like an, an elongated birdcage with no bottom and an electric ball rig inside its top. The nurse lieutenant introduced herself as Penny, a physical therapist, and placed a carefully folded sheet of, at the foot of my bed. It didn't take Charlie long to find his way to my bed. After all, what are ward buddies for? He greeted the attractive nurse and told her I was not the, the one who needed therapy, but he, that he, Charlie, was in dire need. Anyway, he said, I outrank him. Penny laughed this off and turning to me said she would come in every day at about the same time hour to spend some time helping me get those legs working again. This was the first time anyone had suggested such a possibility. While I had no idea what physical therapy was, I was delighted, especially with the thoughts of this new f 
friend coming to see me. At her own invitation, I especially relished the idea of Charlie standing by, green with envy, watching her in action. The first treatment began immediately. Nurse Penny uncovered my legs and placed the birdcage contraption over them. She covered it with a sheet and plugged it in, light, lighting, lightening the bulb. It wasn't long before I felt the warmth. Penny told me she would be back in about 30 minutes. Once again, she flashed her pretty therapeutic smile and left. What a moral builder, and I was responsible for it. Things were looking up. Penny's visits and the birdcage application were always followed by hand massaging that began with my feet, following by my legs. This kind of treatment both overwhelmed and embarrassed me at first. I was always the center of attention in the ward as long as Penny was there. Next, Nurse Penny touched each toe or pointed to it as she coaxed me to work hard at thinking about moving it. Think, Scotty, think. Move, she urged. Eventually, she was joined by the rest of the ward. Charlie's raspy voice, generally in the lead, the battle cry was, Wiggle your toes, Scotty. Wiggle your toes, Scotty. It seemed the whole ward, myself included, was fully devoted to talking my toes into moving. This was a battle not unlike combat, where mind and will joined together against the enemy, a motionless pair of big toes. Penny was there the day I first wiggled my left big toe. She watched eagerly as the toe slowly bent downward under its own power, then moved up. As word spread around the ward about the victory, Charlie led those nearby in a big cheer. I had no doubt that Penny's coaching and unfailing cheerfulness were a big part of my recovery. Her presence in the ward did wonders for all of us. I learned before leaving England that Penny's sweetheart was a young pilot missing in action, but if she was down, she never let it show. Once the challenge of the big toe had been met, it was followed by major improvements in moving my left foot and leg. The right foot proved more difficult. My right toes were obstinate and still are 55 years later. Even so, after a month of help, with learning to walk again, I was able to shed my crutches, but I had never shed my memory of the lovely nurse who dedicated so to work her inspired me, my recovery, and turned a group of wounded soldiers into an unlikely cheerleading section. I still have to smile when I picture them all shouting loud enough to shake the walls. Wiggle your toes, Scotty! Wiggle those toes! That's an order! By Walter W. Scott. Beautiful, beautiful story. Bienvenidos. Thank you for coming to today's uh, podcast. Saturday, God bless you. A day of rest. I call it pajama day. Would you believe pajama days? Uh, you know, we need a day of rest. Uh, a day to uh, take notes and think about how life is going and think about how we can uh, challenge ourselves uh, to uh, what can we do to better ourselves what can we do to get rid of what is old what is old technology you know I notice I got a lot of wires a lot of speaker systems and a lot of stuff in here that's uh, a little old technology all this can be taken care of with one 
Apple laptop. Huh. You know, it would be awesome having everything. And it will be. I'll just have to imagine it. I've got to get a picture of an Apple, put it up on the wall, start believing God, just like he sent everything else. Usually by uh, having a collage of things that you would like and your father would give it to you. Make your life more uh, pleasant and efficient. Right? Less clutter. Which, uh, the more I try to read about clutter, the more it reverses. The more I try to diet, the more it reverses. Why is that? Well, we will figure this out, folks. Stay tuned. Today's podcast, thank you for coming in here. I am Fernando. I am in recovery. And your commentator. Let's go ahead and get this meeting on the road. We're going to be doing uh, Daily Reflections, the 12th little book the uh a little black book 24-hour book we're going to be doing uh limitless love and faith to faith from kenny copeland and then we're going to be doing the new king james bible proverbs and psalms whoo about 45 minutes i hope you have your ears on and your heart let's go to prayer let's pray the our father please our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen all right, our first book for today is Daily Reflections, November the 13th, Looking Outward, Looking Outward, or Looking Forward. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 87. As an active alcoholic, I allow selfishness to run rampant in my life. I was so attached to my drinking and other selfish habits that people and moral principles came second. Now, when I pray for the good of others rather than my own selfish ends, I practice a discipline in letting go of selfish attachments. Caring for my fellows and preparing for the day when I will be required to let go of all earthly attachments. I'm Fernando. I am an alcoholic. The thing that occurred to me because is that I, I take my time, my effort, my caring, my, uh, uh, what do you call, you know, that I can do something and I pray for a person that's actively drinking and in denial that needs to repent and wake up and say, say, uncle, you know, I just pray for God's will until I have peace in that area. And once I have peace in the area, then um, God, if, if so, will open the opportunity for me to say something, to do something. I'll give you an example. I made uh, coffee last night for the park meeting. I took uh, the water. Um, I 
I filter the water, put lemon on it, put music to the water, if you will, classic music. I put sun to the water and, and baby it all week long. So it's just a sweet, best tasting water that heals people and makes them better. Now, according to the book, uh, uh, The Miracles of Water by a Japanese uh, scientist. The fact is, is that we get peace when we pray for some other person and, 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 and the unity of us being with God with praying is really our reward. We get unity and oneness with God as we're praying for others. So I was thinking of making a list of all the people I have, I have not seen in a while or I had prayers for and succeeded. I just really, a couple of things, uh, I was driving, uh, I was a truck driver in my profession. Coming home around 2, 3 in the morning, I pulled over the little 24-hour gym that I was a member of, and I had never been to one in that town. So I said, I, I can go and register or whatever, and let the computer know that I'm paying for this, so I need to use the bathroom, and, and I'm welcome here, and, and it's 24 hours, and blah, blah, blah. At least I can touch the equipment walking in there, and that's what I did. But I was in the restroom, and I was coming out, and, I, and when a guy recognized me, he says, Fernando, I'm still sober. <laughs> and wow, what a shot in the arm. He, you got a guy here that I, I took to court. I picked up and took to meetings, and I felt like, like this guy needed a punch in the nose. I mean, it just, I just didn't feel like, I felt like... Uh, you know, like, you you know, when you're being used, you know. Uh, but finally, I just kept doing it, and I took him to court. I'm hanging out to the backpack in court. Uh, at that time, they let the backpacks in. And I'm waiting for this guy to, for the, uh, what, what the judge is going to say, yay or nay. And sure enough, they released him because he's working his program. And I told him, thank God and be honest. Thank you, God. Whatever happens, uh, receive the injection, receive the medicine. And we went out to eat, bought me a nice sandwich in Pasadena. And then from there on, I didn't see him no more. I didn't see him for two, three years. And I had told him, I said, you better change your your employment because you're, you're out there in the bartending or your... Uh, a DJ in the midst of parties and all kinds of craziness and uh, all wee hours and his girlfriend was with him. But he didn't, thank God he didn't pay my attention. He was able to pass the test and stay sober through it all, make more money and was progressing very good and got into another club somewhere. What a joy that was for me. You know, a lot of us and a lot of you out there that are listening to this, I'm asking you to be good. I'm asking you to be sober, be vigilant. I am asking you to do what's right. You have the power now through the 12-step movement, us coming together and being in love with God. You have the power to do the right thing. I'd like to ask you to do the right thing no matter what others are saying no matter how others come against you you do the right thing you pray for the elderly take their cans and 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 jump start the people around you you with your car and always have a smile on your heart and then keep thanking god for that 
for the uh, mean people that don't talk to you, talk back about you. Keep praying for them. Remember, God is making gold in our hearts by having this negativity thing come towards us. That's the way it is, folks. You want to balk and cry and say, poor me, and watch football all day long and, and not work on your... Uh, and getting up and, and start working on your sobriety, on your program. Well, I did that. And you get tired of it. Once you get tired of it, get up and get going, man. And uh, I would make a list of all the people that um, I'm working with currently. And then pray for them. Five, ten minutes a day. And, and then you will have great rewards. Like, you'll be able to... Uh, you'll be able to have a Del Taco burrito with green sauce in the nighttime. <laughs> Good things are happening. All right, I got to find that little 24-hour book. Here, I got one. 24-hour book for today. Um, I pray that my asking you to do right and be right because you have the power now through the program is to uh, be effective as you can reading 20 30 minutes in the morning 20 30 minutes in the nighttime preferably another 20 30 minutes at noon um, and let other people see you reading your actions speak volume here we go 24 hours thought for the day who am I to judge? Who am I to judge other people? Have I proved by my great success in life that I know all the answers? Exactly the opposite. Until I came into AA, my life could be called a failure. I made all the mistakes one could make. I took all the wrong roads and were that were able to be taken. On the basis of my record, I... Am I a fit person to be a judge of other people? Hardly. In AA, <coughs> excuse me. In AA, I have learned not to judge people. I am so often wrong. Let the results of what they do judge them. It's not up to me. Am I less harsh in my judgment of other people? Instead of judgment, folks, find a way to send blessings to the person. And you'll cash it in. You'll get a reward. Ha! Huh. The greater the ugliness, the greater the reward. Huh. Who made these rules? You think a powerful God made all these rules? Meditation for the day. In our time of meditation, we again seem to hear, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Again and again, we seem to hear God saying this to us. Come unto me for the solution of every problem, for the overcoming of every temptation, physical, mental, or spiritual, but mostly come unto me for the strength we need to live with peace of mind and the power to be useful and effective. Come on to me. To me is uh, thanking God, accepting my problems and thanking God for them and going through that transition of hard work of accepting something that's not 
accepting, even if it's wrong, accepting it, that God is going to help me to make it right. For instance, uh, 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 pornography, is, is it takes your power away from going out there and seeing uh, and being effective in your life. So what you want to do is thank God for the problem. Act like it's a good thing. Let God in the nonsense and he will make it right sense. Okay. Thanking God for the problem is doing right sense. It's allowing God to, to be merciful to us and to allow and give us the instructions and the power eventually to overcome it and do the right thing. Gambling. Smoking cigarettes. Woohoo! I thank God for the cigarettes. Best thing that ever happened to me. And so I smoke that cigarette, drink that Coke, be thankful for every little drink. Be thankful. That is being sober and just with your own life and your own judgment. I thank God for my overeating. I thank God for my weight. I thank God for my laziness. Thank you, God. All right, I'll get off my... Forgive me for being in areas that I need to get back onto the 24-hour little book. Let's pray. It says, I pray that I may go to God today for these things that I need to help me live with. I pray that I may find real peace of mind. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 24 hours. What a beautiful book. What a beautiful illustration. And all it is is just a few set of words that, that get our our minds thinking in the right direction. Okay, let's go ahead and shift gears right now and let's go to uh, Limitless Love. I think I'm done uh, commentarying so quickly and I'll start reading some of the material. For This is Gloria Copeland for November 13. It says, don't lose your grip. And she uses Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay? And for that, let's go ahead and say the, uh, the serenity prayer, please, to uh, start our next shift, our next gears. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Introducing Limitless Love for November 13 by Gloria Copeland. Don't lose your grip. Like I said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Sometimes when you start to tell a fellow believer that the word says about love or any other subject, they'll interrupt you. Yes, I already know that. They'll say, I did an entire study on the subject of love one time. I spent a whole year reading a devotional book about it. What those people fail to understand is this. It's not the word you know that is affecting you, your life. It's the word that's alive in you right now. It's the word that is speaking to you on the inside and directing your thoughts and behavior. In short, the only word that's working in your life is the word that is dwelling richly in you. When the word about love is dwelling in you richly and the devil 
puts pressure on you through difficult circumstances or unkind people? What God says about love is the first thing that will come to your mind. The word, not the pressure or the emotions of the moment, will determine your response. As I said before, it is not easy to keep yourself in that condition. It takes effort, even if you're a scriptural expert on love. You must continue feeding on what the Word says about it, because you are constantly surrounded by an unloving world. You're around natural people who think selfishness is normal and right. You are continually hounded by the devil who is pushing you to agree with them. If you don't maintain a steady intake of the word and keep your attention on what God has to say, your heart and mind will begin to yield to the pressures of the world around you. You'll begin to lose your grip on the power of the love of God. Before long, you'll begin to say and do unloving things. When you encounter a difficult situation that can only be solved with love, you'll have your eyes on the problem instead of the answer. You'll react to it, not like a born-again, world-overcoming child of the living God, but like a mere unchanged man. Amazing as it may seem, the Bible reveals that even Christians who have walked mature and power can slip back into that kind of immature state. Hebrews 5, 11, 12 says, We can become spiritually dull and sluggish, needing someone to teach us over and over again the very first principles of God's Word. That will never happen if you hold yourself steady on the Word of God, continually talking, taking in the Word, and letting it wash your thoughts and govern your actions. You'll never lose your grip on love if you keep God's Word abiding richly in you. You know, it seems like we're built with... Uh, ovens and what we got in our oven uh, like I had the care for my friend's drinking son I, it was weighing heavy on my heart because I saw the kid grow up and I prayed for that person in my oven and I think when he was done I had I, I didn't think about that anymore and when I pray for others I don't think about them anymore oh uh, by the way I just got a text from another guy who I met and I prayed for, and I text back and forth. I met through this Zoom. He only came once to my Zoom meeting, tried to read with us, and then he said he had all kinds of um, challenges with the family and the brothers and, the, and health. He just texted me, and he said, Fernando, I got two years. Thank you very much for your Texas, your uh, inspiration um, stuff. He's, that's what he said. How do you think that made me feel? It made me feel that I have a bazooka and it's making uh, strides and holes on people's lives and, and changing those. God is changing those people that are ready. He's just using me to pray, put them in the oven, pray for them, and then hit them with uh, the word, which is AA or this, what we're reading right now. So again... It iterates everything I've been talking about. Uh, caring for others, praying for others, uh, having a set of prayers that are already composed by the Word of God for others. You know, I have one called, uh, that says, you know, uh, 
that the reason we're praying is, you know, is to help others. And it uses a lot of scriptures, you know, to, uh, and that's where we're at today. That's why this podcast is composed of past prayers that we wanted a system and how to how to uh, reach out others and how to give encouragement. I wish I would have heard something like this when I was out there with uh, trying to make sense of the devil hitting me in the head, the neighbors bickering, and how to have love. So I told you I was a rough case, so I needed First John one through five read daily and John uh, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. This stuff pours out love into my oven and when people try to attack you they can't get inside your oven because you already have something in there you have the word of god makes sense to me i hope you're i know you're tracking with me this is not rocket science all right next book is from faith to faith daily devotional uh, by kenny copeland it says stake your claim like a gold mine stake your claim Woo-hoo, i like the title and and kenneth is using psalm 112 verses 1 and 3 to stake your claim it says praise you the lord blessed is the man that feared the lord that delighted greatly in his commandments delighted greatly in his commandments wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Psalm 112, 1, verse 3. Praise the Lord. Blesses the man that feareth the Lord, that reads his word and greatly delights in what he's reading. Commandments. Wealth and riches shall be in his house automatically, and his righteousness endured forever. His seeds or his works or the people that he's working with uh, are catching being effective in changing people's lives for the better being an example Kenny Copeland goes on to say I'll never forget the time Gloria discovered that scripture we didn't have any money at that time and the walls in our house were as bare as they could be but she was ready to decorate so she took that promise wealth and riches shall be in this house and lay claim it lay claim to it by faith, by actions, by believing, by imagination. Suddenly, everywhere we went, someone was giving us a painting or some little treasure for a house. Unfortunately, most believers aren't as quick to believe God for that kind of thing as Gloria was. Some even claim God doesn't promise a New Testament believer's physical prosperity just spiritual but the truth is you can't separate the two that's why jesus says if you seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness then all these material things you got to read the chapter and content matthew chapter 6 633 then all these material things will be added to you he knows the spiritual realm and the material realm are connected The physical world cannot operate independently from the spiritual world. What happens is one is simply a reflection of what happens in the other. Obviously, your spiritual standing profoundly affects your financial standing. 
That's why when you get a hold of the gospel and begin to prosper spiritually, you can begin to prosper physically and materially as well. Don't let anyone talk you out of God's promises of, of prosperity. You don't have to choose between financial and spiritual prosperity. Both belong to you. Lay claim to them by faith, and as a born-again child of God, dare to reach out and receive the riches that belong to you. Additional scriptural reading is Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. Amen. You know, what I had to do is I had to say, yes, 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 God, to your promises. Yes, God, according to your word, be it unto me, because I was so negative. I had a little, I had a resistance in my heart that wouldn't allow me, or I didn't lo love myself enough to let God fill my, my truck with gasoline. I didn't allow God to help me do my laundry or pay my bills and so forth. I wouldn't... So I had to uh, sit down and say, yes, God, yes, yes, Jesus Christ, yes, according to your will, yes. My subconscious mind would fight it, but I kept it out. My subconscious mind had, uh, no, you can't let go. Well, what are you doing? Letting go, going into the future. Who knows what spirit's going to come into you? Who knows if God's not going to beat you up again because of all the wrong you've done? I had to accept God by faith. I had to accept his, he said, I am forgiven and I'll take care of you. Uh, I am your strong arm. So I just started saying, yes, Jesus Christ, yes. According to your will, be done unto me or be done unto my friend. Yes, according to your will, be done unto my, uh, to the people that I'm, I'm worried about. Yes, God, yes, I thank you for their lives. Your will be done. And so I started working the system till I get the concern out of my heart. So that's pretty good because God can put concerns in our hearts and then we can work them out with prayer according to his word for others. And there's a reward. And uh, you, you're not the one who made the earth. So rewards are with giving. Rewards are with giving prayer. Rewards are with actions. It wouldn't work without rewards. Our paycheck and work is a reward showing up and doing the efforts all right proverbs 13 new king james version proverbs 13 a wise son heeds his father instruction but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke a man shall be eat well by the fruit of his mouth but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence unfaithful to what unfaithful to the words of his father in heaven he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him who ha whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. 
By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. There you go. There's rewards there too. Hope defers makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, the reward, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word, uh-oh, will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. There it is again, rewards. And the word reward means you're going to be made youthful again with invigoration, enthusiasm, good medicine in the body. 14. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards rebuke will be honored. A desire to accomplish is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but the righteous good shall be repaid, but to the righteous. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good pursues them, and they will be recompensated, compensated. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Uh, we went to a, a estate sale down at Palm Springs, kind of like my son invited me. And uh, we took a lot of the, uh, we, we uh, obtained, I helped my son, so he allowed me to get, he goes, go ahead and get what you want, grabbed a few boxes and stuff, and um, I got a safe that, that no one had, you know, was just there with the lock and key, took it out, opened it up, and sure enough, there was uh, 18, 88, 89, about maybe 40 pennies. And uh, a lot of old coins and stuff. So 
I got myself a little right, a little uh, compensation. Not only, I still haven't gone through all the gold and silver and all the stuff I brought forward, but as so far, uh, it's a good. This scripture has come true to me. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Okay. Uh, I was just available, and I said yes. I, I can help. I was actually going to help my son liquidate and move some things and store it for him. And, at the, and in the turn, I got blessed. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eat to the satisfying of the soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. What does that mean? And for lack of justice, there is waste. Wow. And we could camp on that verse of Proverbs 13, 23 for years, huh? <laughs> It says it's connected to Proverbs 12, 11. Let's go over there and see what that says. It says, Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. And Proverbs 12, 11 says, He who tills his land, okay, will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Okay, when you have a piece of land, the land is talking to us. He says, Hey, I will produce you corn and potatoes and tomatoes and and garlic and onions and man plant me see the justice is uh, working the land that's justice okay but thinking I'm gonna win the lottery I'm gonna do this do that which I do a lot much food is in the in the follow I guess in the open ground of the poor. But for lack of justice, uh, not thinking properly, or not having God as your instructor of the counsel of God, there is waste. Um, you know, God says that he is mad with the Israelites for not taking his counsel. I don't want God to be mad with me. I say, give it to me, give it to me, give me your counsel. Okay, Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edges of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, check this out, the Lord commanded the blessing forevermore. In other words, when you are in unity with me, and I am in unity with you, and you're tracking with me and not judging me for my uh, unprofessionalism, uh, whatever. We are in union, and we pray the Our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the long life, commandment of life forevermore, the blessing of God is present. It is present in our hearts right now, the blessing of God. <clears throat> Twelve-step meeting. When there's love is and laughter, the presence of God is there, making us youthful, making us whole. Isn't that cool? All we got to do is get in unity and not strife. And God's 
loving commandment takes place that we are blessed. We're going to read Psalms 103. This is one of my favorite psalms. It says, Praise the Lord for His mercies. Praise for the Lord's mercy. Very important principle, guys. All we have available to us is God's mercy as uh, what we qualify for, okay? And the only way we qualify for God's mercy is by being wrong in other areas, right? By having sin, by being uh, uh, ugly, by uh, being lazy. All those things, we thank God for them because they pushed us into the mercies of God. And now God can work with us or we can work with God because we're in the boat of mercies. We're not in, a, in the battleship no more. By asking, by praising the Lord for His mercies. Not rocket science. I do this a lot for anybody that's new, that's listening. Here we go. One of my favorite prayers. I prayed this last night before I went to sleep. I prayed it this morning. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles amen that is a incredible prayer should be said about 12 times a day and the first thing you'll notice if you say that prayer and you hit heaven hard with it, you'll start eating good. You'll start eating seven course meals, four course meals. Uh, these words will come alive and overtake you. Let's say, for instance, but they don't work for the end of I still have my diseases. I still have my iniquities. Keep on saying it. Keep on putting it in the incinerator. Put it in your heart, in your mouth, in your oven. Keep working it. And uh, Psalm 103, verse 6, the rest of the psalm, it says, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. How does the Lord execute righteousness and justice for us? Our, sin, our own sins got us oppressed. Now there's a God that can save us. That's why he's called Savior. That's why he's called Master, Lord, and Friend. Because he can save us from being oppressed, even, especially if it's our own actions that we're oppressed. We didn't pay our bills. We're oppressed. Uh, we're not, we said the wrong thing. We're oppressed. We used again. We're oppressed. Okay, you're not using our timely, wisely. I'm oppressed. So, the, but the Lord, if I thank God and I ask Him for His mercies, the Lord will execute righteousness for me and, and justice because I am oppressed. That's a promise, folks. No wonder we don't have no excuse, you know. If we want to go to hell, you can by rejecting all this stuff. You know, you got, we got free will. And for, you know, unfortunately, many are taking that route. 
You know, you try to tell them that God's mercy is available. You know, they've been given hope, faith, love, enthusiasm from God to begin with. It all came from Him. And, and God said, hey, there's more, man. That was just a small taste. That's enough information there to get you to go to God and get and seek Him more. Not like rocket sciences. Verse 8, okay, verse 7. The Lord made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Interesting, uh, merciful and mercy in the same verse. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west so far, he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father pitied his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and his place remembers it no more. But the mercies of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him, and his righteousness to the children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Say, say this with me. Say, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, Heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. You ministers of his. Who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And Psalm, Psalm 13. Trust in the salvation of the Lord. A Psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed against him. Let those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Lest, lest. Those who trouble me rejoice when I when I fall. 
But I have trusted in your mercy. Here we go. I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Again, a lot of us will want to stay in murmuring why people are talking about us. Murmuring and feeling sorry for yourself that you, your, your body is not healthy. You, you got a raw deal. Uh, you like to stay in the mud. And, and no matter what we say or what God says, you're, you know, you're still out there complaining, crying, and crying wolf and everything. He says right here, uh, but I have trusted in your mercy. Even acting like you trust in his mercy will be enough. Acting like you believe in the name of Jesus Christ, it will be enough. Acting and saying, yes, Lord, yes, Jesus, according to your will, you're, you're uh, accessing his mercy. My heart shall rejoice in, there it is, your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Why would I be? Because I got rewarded. I got rewarded. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. What's bountifully? All kinds of good stuff. And that's what he does. That's, that's why he wins us over. By giving us peace, joy, love, and gold and silver and gas and cars and trucks and houses. You know, stop crying and stop praising. What's so hard about that? You want you want to change how the world runs and your own uh, your own rules? How does that working for you? Let's take a look. How bad? How how successful were you working with uh, being a child, not learning? That was me, folks. That was me. I love you. God bless you. Let's go ahead and go home. Let's pray the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. I appreciate you guys coming in for today's reading. Like I said, my name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic and your secretary. Let's go ahead and start with the uh, set aside prayer, please. <clears throat> Lord, I set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, my fellow man, and this program for a fresh new revelation in you, Lord, in this program at and my fellow man, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, let's go ahead and say this serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, uh, top of page 24. Go ahead, and Rick, take it two, two by two. 
fact, the most outlaws we originally had obscured have been lost and lost the power of choice during our so-called willpower because driving non existence we are unable at certain times to bring forth to bring into our consciousness uh, a significant force uh, with memory and suffering of humiliation even a week or month ago. We are without the benefits for strength. The almost concern, uh, certain consequences following the taking even a glass of beer not crown the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are easily uh, rapidly supplanted by what the ultimate very ideal. Well, this time I shall handle ourselves like other people. There's a complete failure against this kind of defense, which is why one to put his hands on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said for it to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again, only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more. Convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is most of us back in self-searching and leveling of our pride and conventions and shortcomings which progress requires for a successful association. But we saw that it really worked in others. We had to come to believe in the hopelessness and fertility of life and we had been living it when, therefore, we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved. It was nothing like we picked up a simple kit of spiritual tools on your feet and we had much of heaven and we have found that we've been locked into a fourth dimension of existence which uh, have not even dreamed. The green fact is just this that we have kept a deep affectional spiritual experiences which have revolutionized a whole attitude towards life, towards God's followers and towards God's universe. Our life today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and our lives in a way in which Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate, seemingly without provocation. Sometimes they hurt us, but we invariably find that sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later places us in a position to be hurt. Uh, Anthony, can you please uh, mute, mute, mute yourself? Okay, sorry. Thank you. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems to be no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we could have liked to. Neither could we have reduced our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying our own power. We had to have God's help. This is how the why, but first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And next, we decided thereafter a job of life. 
God is going to be our director. He is our principal. He is the principal. We are His agents. He is the father. We are His children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept has a keystone of new triumphal march, which we pass through freedom. When we sincerely took a position, all sorts of remarkable things to follow. We had a new employer, being all powerful, look, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans designs, and more and more we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt a new power flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind and we discovered uh, we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter, we were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage itself, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May we do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that if we could last, abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready, we say something, something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 86, please. <clears throat> On awakening, we think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for today. Before we even begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking Him to divorce us from self pity, uh, dishonest, and self seeking motives. These are conditions which uh, we can employ with our mental faculties, uh, with insurance. After all, God gave us brains to use our thought life. Uh, have been placed on a much higher plane when our thinking has been cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about the day we face in decisions, we may be able to determine which course to take. Here's what we ask for God for inspiration of true thought or decision. We relax, we take it easy, we do not struggle. We are surprised how right without, uh, how right the answers are after we've done trying this for a while. We used to be the hunter, the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption and all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration and we come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We're careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If somebody says in the morning, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a 
religious domination, which requires definite warning, devotion, we attend that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select or memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books out there also. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see what religious people are right. Make use of that to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful, and we ask for the right thought or action. Uh, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. <clears throat> we humbly say to ourselves, anytime you say it, that will be done. We are in less much danger of excitement, anger, worry, self-pity, or positivity. We become more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not bringing up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our lives to ourselves. Page 416, please. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue, that I had been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of that compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem after I'd been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well. I was finally able to say, Okay, okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it's all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in that problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. Uh, and acceptance against all my problems today, or what I'm disturbed is because I find some personal pleasure situation in some back of my life unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that personal pleasure situation uh, as being exactly what it's supposed to be at the moment. No matter, uh, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I can accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life uh, completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. What I need to do is concentrate on not so much what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world is saved, all the men and women are merely players. And he forgot to mention I was chief critic. I was always able to see a flaw in every person, every situation. And I was trying, well, I always, I'm always glad to point out, oh, and I, oh God, I messed up. I was always able to see the flaw in every person. I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection just as I did. And acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us, a bit of bad in the best of us, and that we all are children of God and we each have the right to be here. Uh, when I complain about you, when I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I'm no better than God. If for, sure, for years, I was sure that the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And this proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, and I, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice. Don't figure I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my mirror problems. It is as though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. 
Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift of being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then as I drank more and more alcohol, the dream was affecting my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. And more like, and the more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they like grew and multiplied. Every defect that I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she reduced a little, receding into a little bit more and no more. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day at AA, I, told, I was told that I had my lenses on my glasses backwards. The courage had changed and serenity would... Is a serenity pyramid, not that I should change my, my marriage, but rather I should change myself and learn how to accept my spouse as she was. Hey, and give me a new pair of glasses. I can then get food with all good quality and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing too with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on his defects, late starts, long drunk logs, cigarettes more, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, or when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meaning keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps, perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations. But then my rise try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than on anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Except has been a key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever for me and it needs to be done. And leave the results up to him, however it turns to God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectation of serenity. It's directly proportional to my level of acceptance. And when I remember this, I can say I've never had so good. Thank God for AA. Page 552, please. <clears throat> he said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. You ask him in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, and you will be free. As for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you really want it for them, and your prayers are only words, and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find you'll have to come to meet it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, it worked for me every time since then. <coughs> it will work for you. <coughs> I'm willing to work here. Sometimes I have to ask for a personal willingness, but it always too comes. And 
because it works for me, it'll work for all of us. And another great man said, the only real freedom a human being could ever have is doing what he has to do because he wants to do it. This great experience to me has been released me from bondage of, of hatred and replace it with, uh, with and replace it with love. Just another permutation of the truth I know. I get everything I need from uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, <laughs> I invariably find it's just what I wanted all the time. Go to what, page 100 now? Yeah, page 100. Oh, okay. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us, when we put ourselves in God's hands, were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83. Here we go. If we are painstaking, which we are, about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. It's easy to let up on our spiritual uh, program and rest. Of it. It's easy to let up on spiritual program of action and rest our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do. We're all called the sun of foe. We are not cured of alcoholism, but we really have a daily reprieve of the conscience of the maintenance of our spiritual condition, which every day is a day when we must carry out that vision of God into all of our activities. How may it best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts that which go with us constantly, and we can exercise the will power along the line, all we wish, and it was the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength and inspiration and direction from any whom for. or he, he who has all knowledge and power, uh, we have, we, if we if we have the carefully followed directions, we have begun a sense of flow of his spirit into us. For uh, some extent, we have become God conscious, and we begin to develop a vital success, which must go further. That means more action. Page forty-three, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against first strength, and except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any of the human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Thank you very much, guys. Wonderful. God's blessings. Enjoy the day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, Anthony. Bye.
Take care. All right, now that was our reading for today. Let's go see uh, what we can gleam out of this reading today. You know, one of the things I used to, I used to think that Alcoholic Anonymous is holding up the emergencies around the country. Level-headed. Really, how could you think that? Well, the good words and the prayers that are being said in the groups all over, if you think about it, not only do we say the prayers and make a difference for the for the country and for our city and for our our homes, ourselves. Uh, remarkable things happen when we all agree in prayers. Especially crazy people that drank and ran around, you know, in the nighttime, saying "Shoot me, shoot me." Maybe not that extent, but we were out of control, and it was embarrassing. Very embarrassing. But thank God for the shame. We don't close the door on him. What I'm saying, folks, is repetition in words, especially with unity with others, like we do today here. You know, it's just me and Rick before we had as many as six, seven people. But it, it is repetitious. Thank you so much for listening this much. Remember, the objective, remarkable things are happening because a God of our understanding hears us, listens to us, and shows off. He wants to show off in us. So we let God show off. Remarkable things are happening in your life because you, we are listening to these words over and over again. It's good actions on our part. Okay, It's healthy. And it's the same way as we, we use other words of God, other promises of God from, uh, from the big, big book. That's the Bible. Everybody knows what the big, big book is. Let me go ahead and give you a few promises since we're on that topic of what... Um, well, let's think about what, what the other side of the coin is. Not having repetitious words. Not having um, good wonderful words like for instance first peter 5 8 and 9 says be sober in other words be aware be vigilant because your adversary the devil the disease other people are like roaring lions walking about seeking whom they may devour whom resist steadfast in the faith so we got to lock and load in faith and fate works by love, guys. And fate only comes, and love only comes through reading, through reading and assimilating the Word of God, going to meetings. People are going to throw daggers at you with words, and sometimes even in the meetings. So you have to be. You remember, you're being you're being tested. See if your if your armor will hold up. You don't have any chinks in your armor. The enemy's going to get in there. So you need to be sober by being in love. Be vigilant by being in love. We work the program, guys. We read a lot to be steadfast in the spirit, okay, in faith, resisting the enemy. You know, his words don't have any, any, any power in us. Why? Because God is in us. Amen? Okay, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you submit yourself, therefore, to God in your own consciousness when someone is attacking you? Well, you, you better have that ahead of time. You better have the words of God ringing in your brain the, uh, from reading them the night before and the night in there. And the love of God is just going back. His words produce love. His words produce a shield. And that's the only way we can resist the devil and that he will flee with you. If we fall into the devil's traps, we'll be arguing and thinking about that person and devising ways and imagining uh, cr crushing them. You know, you know what happens to our brains. We need to protect it. We need to fill it with these readings and with the Word of God. Amen. Finally, my brothers and sisters, stay strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, that's Jesus Christ, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, that's Jesus Christ, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the word of God, above all, taking the shield of faith, that works by love, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery words, darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the anointing, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Ephesians 6, 10 and 18. This is work, folks, and we're working it. Our next scripture, hey man, doesn't that explain it all? Our next scripture is Hebrews 2, verse 9, verses 14 and 15. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, okay? For the suffering of death. He took hate, anger, resentments, fear, all that away from us. He was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them whom through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Understand? Amen. You understand that Jesus took the sting of everything ugliness for us. Okay? And that's how, why he had to become like us and take it from us. Now we're, we're on the good side of the cross and we, through love and praising him, we, we come out victorious through him. Amen. And in other words, the penalty of death and sin could not hold on to him because he had no sin in him. 
and he and he grounded it to no avail and now he's given us the victory he came out victorious and we through the spirit come out victorious with him amen our job is to transform our minds folks not through television and and serious but to get into uh, i i looked at the chosen today yesterday it was pretty good that i'm free on youtube and you are complete in him is our next scripture. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphantly over them in it. Colossians 2, 10 and 15. Jesus Christ has triumphant and we have triumphant over them. We follow Jesus Christ. We take that victory. We pick up the spoils and everybody sees it. Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1.13, amen. Revelations 12.11, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until death. Revelations 12.11, amen. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is came in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now, already, as it is in this world, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. First John 4, 1 through 4. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run it into it and is safe. Proverbs eighteen ten. That's acknowledging and saying the name of the Lord. I say, yes, Jesus Christ, yes, thy will be done. I run into the name of the Lord like that. I say it into the air. It takes courage, folks, to throw it into the air. Some of you are scared of just saying, yes, 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 thy will be done. Just keep saying it so that fear will go away. That means there's a blessing on the other side of that fear. Okay, You, you go into the kingdom of God and get your benefits by saying, Yes, 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 God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus Christ. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. In my life, in my family's life, in my future, thy will be done. Yes, Lord Jesus. I'm trying to get you to say the name of Jesus Christ more often and claiming his promises more often. And Romans 16, 20 says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So we're doing it by the grace of Jesus that we didn't buy or anything. We can't boast on it. And we're going to smash his head by our words and our actions and our clapping our hands and acknowledging that Jesus Christ is victor by saying, yes, 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 Lord. Thy will be done, Lord Jesus Christ. Clapping your hands. This puts Satan under our feet. And we bust them in the head. If we can see them, we'd be so glad by 
you know, doing what Matthew 12, 28 and 29 says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto me. Or else, how can I enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good? Except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil the house. Amen. All right, remember 1 John 3.8, He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. The Lord Jesus is up in the high heavens, sitting in the right hand of God. And so are we. So that's why we just stomp on the devil and we bust up his works by praising the Lord Jesus Christ, by committing ourselves that we are with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our last scripture is in 1 John 2, 13 and 14. I write unto you, fathers and mothers, because you have known him that is from the beginning, Jesus. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked through Jesus. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men and women, because you are strong and the word of God abided in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Amen. 1 John 2, 13 and 14. God has given us the tools, the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom to overcome the wickedness through his word. He ain't going to do it for us. You're gonna, you can moan and cry and saying how poor you are, and, and all this and that, unless you pick up his sword, his word, <clears throat> and and bust the devil in the head, he ain't going to flee for you. You got to say, get out of here, Satan. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're defeated, and there ain't enough room for both of us, and I ain't leaving. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get out. Amen. Take care, folks. See you later. Gracias por venir. Vamos a leer reflexiones diarias. Muy bienvenidos, familia. Dios los bendiga. Vamos a orar el Padre Nuestro. Padre Nuestro, que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre. Véngase tu reino. Hágase tu voluntad aquí en la tierra como en el cielo. El pan nuestro de cada día, danos hoy. Y perdónanos por nuestros pecados, así como nosotros perdonamos a nuestros pecadores. Y no nos dejes caer entre malas tentaciones, mas líbranos de todo el mal. Porque tuyo es el reino, el poder y la gloria para siempre, siempre, Señor. Amén. 14 de noviembre. Intuición y inspiración. Esto nos viene de Acohólico Anónimos, página 86, donde dice, Le pedimos a Dios inspiración, una idea intuitiva o una decisión. Procuramos estar tranquilos y tomar, tomamos las cosas con calma. No batallamos. La palabra tomamos brinca. Yo invertí mi tiempo en lo que verdaderamente amo. El paso 11 es una disciplina que me permite estar unido con mi poder superior, recordándome 
que con la ayuda de Dios, la instrucción y la inspiración son posibles. La práctica de este paso conduce al amor propio. Un esfuerzo constante para mejorar mi contacto consciente con un poder superior. Sutilmente me recuerda mi pasado enfermizo con sus moldes de pensamientos grandiosos y de falsos sentimientos de omnipotencia. Pedir la fortaleza para cumplir con la voluntad de Dios para conmigo me hace darme cuenta de mi impotencia. La humildad y el amor propio sano son compatibles. Un resultado directo de la práctica del 12, del paso 11. Fernando Alcohólico. Una cosa es de leer diario a uh, las páginas 86, 87, 88. También la, la página 62 y 63. Y la página 24 y 25. Hay que leer eso diario. Uh, la página 100 y el, el primer paráfago donde dice a uh, tú y el nombre, el hombre nuevo tienen que caminar, buscar un nivel espiritual diario. Y luego pues la página 84 donde están, 83 donde están las promesas. Y luego página 85 donde dice cada día tenemos que trabajar este programa. Los y luego leemos página 43, el versículo último donde dice uh, que Dios, el que nos da la fortaleza contra el primer trago. Es lo que hacemos diario que yo con mis... Uh, uh, los que yo les enseño la... El libro grande, leemos eso diario. Y, uh, y agarra resultados. Grandes cosas buenas pasan porque estamos buscando la voluntad de Dios. Nos humillamos. Uh, nos calmamos para leer y leer eso. All right, ahora voy a leer... Kenneth Copeland y Gloria Copeland, Fe a Fe, Fe to Fe, noviembre 14, en español. Ahí va. Gracias por poner atención. Cuando la presión es agobiante, es dura, por Gloria Copeland. Melaquías 3.16 dice, Entonces los que temían a Jehová hablaron cada uno a su compañero, y Jehová escuchó y oyó, y fue escrito libro de memoria delante de él para los que temen a Jehová y para los que piensan en su nombre. Melaquías, Malaquías 3.16 Alguna vez cuando se encuentre en una situación muy difícil, no es momento de volver atrás para ponerse a reconsiderar la fidelidad de Dios, ni es tiempo de alejarse de Él y decir, 
Bueno, Dios, ¿por qué dejaste que esto me sucediera? Lo que quiero decirles es que cuando las dificultades tarden en desaparecerse y las circunstancias no estén en línea con las promesas de Dios, no se ponga a cuestionar la fidelidad de Dios. Él está al tanto de lo que está sucediendo y no va a fallarte. Si usted pretende examinar algo, examine a sí mismo y considera dónde pudo haber fallado. Pero si no puede encontrar el origen del problema, simplemente declara. Señor, no sé cuál es el problema. Por favor, te pido que me muestres. Sé que tú eres... Sé que tú no eres el problema. No quiero dejarme llevar por las circunstancias, sino por tu palabra. Entonces, cuando él le muestre la realidad, no se demore en hacer los cambios necesarios. Quiero animarlo a que permanezca y siga honrando a Dios con sus palabras. Él le escuchará cuando usted se sienta agobiado, agitado, agüite por la presión. ¿Qué será lo que oirá de sus labios? ¿Qué será lo que oirá de sus labios? As adicional escritura es Salmo 62. Qué casualidad que estamos hablando de leer tantas páginas del libro grande y estamos reclamando las promesas de Dios. Eso es el ritmo de Dios, del balance de Dios. No es muy, muy el pago por leer diario. Ponerse um, astuto en las leyendo la palabra de Dios. Vamos a leer Proverbios 14. Por favor, pónganle atención. Mente sana, un cuerpo sano. Mente sana en cuerpo sano. La mujer sabia une a su familia. La mujer tonta la desbarrata. La gente honrada obedece a Dios. La gente malvada lo desprecia. Es de tontos hablar con orgullo. Es de sabios ser de pocas palabras. Sin las herramientas apropiadas, el trabajo no da fruto. Con buenas herramientas se saca mejor provecho. El testigo verdadero dice la verdad. El testigo falso siempre dice mentiras. El malcriado quisiera ser sabio, pero jamás llegará a serlo. En cambio, el entendido muy pronto gana conocimiento. Aléjate de los tontos que nunca aprenderás nada de ellos. El que es sabio lo demuestra en que piensa bien lo que hace, pero el tonto vive engañado por su propia estupidez. A los necios no les importa si Dios los perdona o no, pero la gente buena Quiere el perdón de Dios. Nadie más que tú conoce realmente sus tristezas. 
y sus alegrías. Nadie más que tú conoce realmente tus tristezas y tus alegrías. La familia del malvado será destruida, pero el hogar del bueno prosperará. Hay cosas que hacemos que no parecen correctas, pero que al fin de cuentas nos llevan a la tumba. La mucha risa causa dolor. Hay alegrías que acaban en tristeza. La gente tonta es feliz con su mala conducta. La gente buena es feliz con sus buenas acciones. La gente tonta cree todo lo que le dicen. La gente sabia piensa bien antes de actuar. El sabio conoce el miedo y se cuida del peligro. Pero el tonto es atrevido y se pasa de confiado. El que pronto se enoja pronto hace tonterías pero el que piensa en lo que hace muestra gran paciencia. La recompensa de los tontos es su propia estupidez. El primero, el premio de los sabios consiste en saber cómo actuar. Los malvados no resisten la justicia de los buenos. Si eres pobre, ni tus amigos te buscan. Si eres rico, todo el mundo es tu amigo. No debes despreciar al amigo. Si eres bueno con los pobres, Dios te bendecirá. Los que piensan hacer lo malo cometen un grave error. Los que procuran hacer lo bueno reciben el gran amor de Dios. Todo esfuerzo vale la pena, pero quien habla y no actúa acaba en la pobreza. La riqueza del sabio es su sabiduría. La pobreza del tonto es su estupidez. El testigo que dice la verdad salva a otros de la muerte, pero hay testigos mentirosos. El que obedece a Dios ya tiene un poderoso protector para él y para sus hijos. El que obedece a Dios. El que obedece a Dios tiene larga vida, ha escapado de la muerte. Para el rey es un orgullo gobernar a un pueblo numeroso. Qué, qué vergüenza es para él no tener a quien gobernar. El sabio domina su enojo, el tonto no controla su violencia. Mente sana en cuerpo sano, por eso la envidia te destruye por completo. Quien le quite todo al pobre ofende a Dios, su Creador. Quien obedece a Dios trata bien al pobre. El malvado fracasa por su maldad, pero el hombre bueno confía en Dios hasta la muerte. En la mente del sabio hay lugar para la sabiduría, pero la gente tonta no llega a conocerla. El orgullo de un pueblo es que se haga justicia. La desgracia de los pueblos es que se cometa pecado. El ayudante inteligente se gana el aprecio del jefe, pero el empleado sin vergüenza provoca su enojo. Salmos 14 
Los malos rechazan a Dios. Himno de David. Salmos 14. Los necios piensan, Dios no existe, pero son gente corrompida. Todo lo que hacen es odioso. Ningún de ellos hace lo bueno. Dios desde el cielo mira a hombres y a mujeres, busca a alguien inteligente que lo reconozca como Dios. Pero no hay un solo que, que no se haya alejado de Dios. No hay uno solo que no se haya corrompido. No hay uno solo que haga el bien. Ustedes, gente malvada, que aquí están llenos de miedo, que jamás buscan a Dios y que se hartan de comida y costillas de mi pueblo, debieran saber esto. Dios está con los buenos, y aunque ustedes desbaratan los planes de los humildes, Dios es quien los protege. ¿Cómo quisiera yo que Dios nos enviara desde Jerusalén? Alguien que salve a nuestro pueblo. Cuando Dios nos haga a prosperar, todo en Israel estaremos felices. Amén. Salmos 44. Entra ya en acción. Poema educativo compuesto por la familia de Coré. Dios mío, nuestros padres nos han contado de las grandes maravillas que tú hiciste en el pasado. Tú mismo echaste de su tierra a otros pueblos. Los destruiste por completo y en lugar de ellos pusiste a nuestro propio pueblo y lo hiciste prosperar. No fue con la espada como ellos conquistaron esta tierra. No fue la fuerza de su brazo los que le dio la victoria. Fue tu mano poderosa. Fue la luz de tu presencia porque tú los amabas. Tú eres mi Dios y mi Rey. Tú nos diste la victoria. Por tu gran poder vencimos a nuestros enemigos, destruimos a nuestros agresores. Ya no pondría mi confianza en mi arco y en mis flechas, ni pensaría que me, mi espada podría darme la victoria. Fuiste tú quien nos hizo vencer a nuestros enemigos. Fuiste tú quien puso en vergüenza a nuestros adversarios. Dios nuestro, siempre te alabaremos, siempre te daremos gracia. Pero ahora nos has rechazado, nos has hecho pasar vergüenza. Ya no marchas con nuestros ejércitos, nos has hecho huir. El enemigo nos ha quitado todo lo que teníamos. Has dejado que nos devoren como si fuéramos ovejas. Has dejado que nos dispersemos entre las otras naciones. Nos vendiste muy barato. ¿Y qué ganaste con eso? Nos pusiste en ridículo delante de nuestros vecinos. Las naciones y los pueblos se burlan de nosotros. Somos el hazme reír de todo el mundo. Me muero de vergüenza, pues a todas horas me ofenden. Mis enemigos me gritan y buscan vengarse de mí. Todo esto lo hemos sufrido a pesar de no haberte olvidado. Jamás hemos faltado a tu pacto. Jamás te hemos sido infieles ni te hemos desobedecido. Y a pesar de todo eso, nos has echado en lugares de miseria. Nos has dejado en profunda oscuridad. Si te hubiéramos olvidado o hubiéramos adorado a dioses de otros pueblos, 
tú te habrías dado cuenta, pues sabes lo que pensamos. Pero por causa tuya nos matan por ti, nos tratan siempre como a ovejas para el matadero. Despierta ya, Dios mío, ¿por qué sigues durmiendo? Entra ya en acción, no nos sigas rechazando. ¿Por qué te escondes? ¿Por qué nos olvidas? Mira cómo nos oprimen. Estamos derrotados por completo, tenemos que arrastrarnos por el suelo. Ven ya en nuestra ayuda. Sálvanos por tu gran amor. Amén. Salmos 104. Alabamos a nuestro Dios con todas nuestras fuerzas, Dios mío. Tú eres un Dios grandioso, cubierto de esplendor y majestad, y envuelto en un manto de luz. Extendiste los cielos como una cortina, y sobre las aguas del cielo pusiste tu habitación. Las nubes son tus carros de combate, viajas sobre las alas del viento. Los vientos son tus mensajeros, los relámpagos están a tu servicio. Afirmaste la tierra sobre sus bases y de allí jamás se moverá. Cubriste la tierra con el agua del mar. Cubriste por completo al cumbre de los cerros. Pero lo reprendiste y el mar se retiró al oír tu voz de trueno. El mar te dio a la fuga. Las aguas subieron a los cerros y bajaron a los valles hasta llegar al lugar que les habías señalado. Tú les pusiste límites que jamás deben rebasar, para que nunca más vuelvan a indudar la tierra. Dios mío, tú dejas que los arroyos corran entre los cerros y que llenen los ríos. En sus aguas apagan su sed las bestias del campo y a los burros salvajes. En las ramas cercanas, las aves del cielo ponen su nido y dejan oír su canto. Dios mío, Tú con tu lluvia riegas desde el cielo las montañas. Tu bondad satisface a la tierra. Tú haces crecer la hierba para que coma el ganado. También haces crecer las plantas para el bien de toda la gente. El pan que da fuerzas, el vino que da alegría y el perfume que da belleza. Los cedros del Líbano, árboles que tú mismo plantaste, tienen agua en abundancia. En ellos anidan las aves. En sus ramas habitan los cigüeñas. En las montañas más altas viven las cabras monteses. Y entre las rocas se refugian los conejos. Tú hiciste la luna para medir los meses y le enseñaste al sol a que ahora debe ocultarse. En cuanto el sol se pone llegada a la oscuridad, es la hora en que rondan todos los animales del bosque y a esa hora rueguen los leones y te reclaman su comida. Pero en cuanto sale el sol, corren de nuevo a sus cuevas y ahí se quedan dormidos. Entonces nos levantemos para hacer nuestro trabajo hasta que llega la noche. Dios nuestro, tú has hecho muchas cosas y todas las hiciste con sabiduría. 
La tierra entera está llena con todo lo que hiciste. Ahí está el ancho mar con sus grandes olas. En él hay muchos animales, grandes y pequeños. Es imposible contarlos. Ahí navegan los barcos y vive el monstruo del mar con el que te diviertes. Todos estos animales dependen de ti y esperan que lleguen la hora en que tú los alimentes. Tú les das y ellos reciben. Abres la mano y comen de lo mejor. Si les das la espalda, se llenan de miedo. Si les quitas el aliento, mueren y se vuelven polvo. Pero envi envías tu espíritu y todo en la tierra cobra nueva vida. Dios nuestro, que tu poder dure para siempre. Que todo lo que creaste sea para ti fuente de alegría. Cuando miras la tierra, ella se pone en temblar. Cuando tocas los cerros, ellos echan humo. Que los pecadores desparece, desparezcan de la tierra y que los malvados dejen de existir. Dios nuestro, mientras tengamos vida, te alabaremos y te cantaremos himnos. Recibe con agrado nuestros pensamientos. Tú eres nuestra mayor alegría. Alabemos a nuestro Dios. Con todas nuestras fuerzas, sí, alabemos a nuestro Dios. Salmo 134. Ya mero acabamos. Alaben a Dios todos ustedes que están a su servicio. Alaben también ustedes los que en su templo le cantan himnos por las noches. Levanten las manos para orar. Dirijan la mirada así al altar y alaben a Dios. Que Dios, creador del cielo y de la tierra, te bendiga desde su templo. Amén. Ahora, el último salmo, el guardamos por ahorita, salmo 84. Qué bello es tu templo. Dios del universo, qué bello es tu templo. La casa donde vives, deseo con todo el alma estar en los patios de tu templo. Me muero por llegar a ellos. Tú eres el Dios de la vida. Por eso te canto alegre con todas las fuerzas de mi corazón. Mi Dios y Rey, Dios del universo, cerca de tu altar, gorriones y golondrinas, hayan lugar para sus nidos y allí ponen a sus polluelos. Pul Polluelos. <risa> Qué felices son los que viven en tu templo. Nunca dejan de alabarte. Qué felices son los que en ti reciben fuerzas y de todo corazón desean venir hasta tu templo. Cuando cruzan el valle del llanto, lo convierten en manantial. Hasta las lluvias tempranas cubren el valle con sus bendiciones. Mientras más avanzan, más fuerzas tienen. Y cuando llegan a tu templo, te contemplan a ti, el Dios verdadero. Dios mío, atiéndeme. Dios de Israel, Dios del universo, escucha mi oración. Dios y protector nuestro, muéstramos tu bondad, pues somos tu pueblo elegido. Prefiero pasar un día en tu templo que estar mil días Lejos de ti. Prefiero de dedicarme a barrer tu templo 
que convivir con los malvados. Señor y Dios nuestro, tú nos das calor y protección, nos das honor y gloria. Tu bondad no tiene medida para los que siempre hacen lo bueno. Dios del universo, bendice a los que en ti confían. La palabra de Dios. Dios los bendiga.